Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 19. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person who lives a life of ministry. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians. Let me encourage you today to click the button in the show notes that says subscribe. If you do that, we'll be able to send you an automated email notification every time we post a new episode so you can get that even if your player hasn't updated things yet. Uh, today, our thread covers chapter 8, verses 8 through 15, if you want to go there in your Bible, and the topic, a rather enjoyable topic, of how God provides for us materially. I'm spending a week in Manila. I've been meeting some awesome people. And if any uh, of you are new Thread listeners, I want to say a special greeting to you. Uh, it's been great getting to know you this week. Uh, Rory and Gutch and all their friends that gathered in Makati for that awesome uh, event. I appreciate you inviting me to be a speaker there. Um, in this uh, episode of Thread, we're going to talk about two totally different systems of financial provision that we all have access to as God's people. The first one is the money system, and that is the economy. And the second one is the manna system, and that is God's math. Unexplainable provision that just follows us and follows no human rules. One really important part of growing up in God's word is that in in going deep in his word, we can become aware of all that Christ has done for us. And the second thing is, then we can internalize that and have it reprogram the way we think and uh, make our decisions. And then the third step is to actually integrate that truth into our life and learn to really trust God's truth and live out of these truths. And and this lesson today is one of those uh, one of those truths that if you're going to serve God and you're going to live by faith, you've really got to get this in your head. Because uh, even this week I was talking to some people and they were feeling a call to ministry, but they were worried about financial provision. You know, oh, but I don't have money to do this. Oh, but how will God provide for my family? Oh, but I don't know if I'll have enough, you know. And uh, we all have to deal with this. If you're going to obey the Lord and His callings on your life, whatever those callings are, part of that is the dimension of money. And so this passage opens, and we're going to kind of bounce through it so we can sort of, I think, get a better grasp of it. And we're going to start with verse 9 because that's the, the doctrinal foundation of this passage. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. Imagine how rich is God. Yet, for your sakes, he became poor. And the word for poor is tokos. And like I said, I'm in Metro Manila. And one of the reasons I'm here is because of the awesome sidewalk Sunday school ministry that Joanne and her team uh, have put together. And, you know, and when we go down into the railroad tracks and underneath the bridges in Metro Manila, you, you just have the most toxic, impoverished environment that I can imagine having to grow up in. Um, there's industrial waste uh, everywhere. There's not adequate, there's not a sewage system. 
uh, sewage is running in open canals, and there are families there that are living on like two, three dollars a day to feed everybody. Uh, real starvation is a possibility. Some of them, we've met these kids; they've never eaten chicken in their life. You know, that's just not something available to them. So. That's poor. That's the word in Greek, tokos. It's the lowest level of poverty. And Paul says, in the incarnation, the Lord of glory who created everything laid it all down and he entered into humanity and he became tokos. He became poor. Why would he do that? So that you, through his poverty. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to call this the poverty of the Lord so we can see what his poverty him becoming impoverished because we have this you know, great opportunity on the cross to exchange places with Jesus. And that's what the gospel tells us has happened. So through his poverty, what did we get? And Paul says the only reason he did it was so that by the agency of his poverty, we might become rich. And, you know, we're rich in many, 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 many ways because of Jesus. And we're, meant, we're rich relationally, we're rich spiritually, but we're rich materially. And that's what this passage is really about. Because of Jesus, we've been moved under a new system of material provision as God's people. And this system is not available to the people of the world. But we are citizens of a new kingdom, and we are members of a royal family. And there is a financial aspect to that new status. Basically, there's two systems of finance operating in the world, even in the world that we live in as a Christian. First of all, there's the money system. This is the normal human system of finance, uh, the market, the economy. It's got competition at its root. It's driven by market forces. Uh, Scarcity is an important part of it. Lack uh, drives it. There's supply and demand and the ratio between those. You know, it's what makes capitalism work. Uh, and success in the money system is a reward for human effort, plus occasional luck and some other stuff too. And this money system is the world of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is there to explain that this is a moral universe. God built it. And because he's a God of justice, the universe rewards things like hard work. And that 90% of the time, the rules of the universe, you know, will work and it will reward hard work, get up early, don't be lazy, you know, set goals. There's there's all this stuff in Proverbs and uh, that's how the normal world works. And the whole world is under this system and it provides for the people of the world and it affects us too. But this system goes up and it goes down. Uh, There's times of great plenty and it's easy to get a job. There's times also that the economy goes down, sometimes completely collapses, Uh, you know, huge, uh, double, triple-digit inflation. Uh, But that's the money system. Well, the money system is not the only system. There's also, for God's people, the manna system. And that's only for those who are living in covenant and walking in obedience with the Father. But this system is much more reliable. And this system is fair, and this system is equal to everybody who is under it. Now, this system does not follow human rules, and it's not dependent upon the money economy. It's dependent upon the presence of God in your life. It depends on the activity of God 
to provide for you personally. It is built on grace, not your hard work. This is a system completely built on God's grace, and it flows to us, not because you know the early bird gets a worm and we worked harder than others. That's not how this system works. It flows because of the generosity of the Father. It's a grace system. It's not, it's not built on work. It is a kingdom system. And like most things in God's kingdom, the manna system is opposite to the money system of this world. And it's opposite in many different ways. One way is that the money system has become affected by the fall. And money has been invaded by dark spiritual forces. You know, I keep hearing people say money's neutral. It's what you do with it that matters. It's so naive. Jesus said money is not neutral. He said it's a spiritual power that is out to break us down and gain our allegiance above our loyalty to God. That The money system draws us in. And then it abuses us, whether we're the winner or the loser in the money system. Because that whole system is full of opportunities for abuse. Uh, lack. You know, lack creates fear. Or even if you have abundance, you can have the fear of lack. And then if you have surplus, well, that just creates pride. Competition divides people. It causes me to profit at your, you know, at your expense. And competition then and, you know, opens the door for the urge to cheat. And not everyone even has what they need to compete fairly, especially when the big players get to set the rules and they've got such a huge head start in the money economy. Now, we all live in the money system and it provides for us. But, <clears throat> sorry, we need to break free from just living by the money system. And we need to rise above trusting the money system to provide for us because it's an unreliable source of provision. And it's because of trusting the money system that a lot of people won't do what God calls them to do. They, they are the servants of the money system. And this lesson is coming to you to tell you there's another system. If you're a child of God, there's a manna system. And it's not like the money system at all. Let's, uh, let's just jump down because Paul quotes in verse 15, go to the end of our passage today. Paul quotes Exodus sixteen eighteen, and you almost have to go back to that Exodus story and read the whole chapter because it's an amazing story. It's a story of people in desperate situations. They don't have access to even water. They don't have access to any source of food and nutrition. They're in an emergency situation and there's millions of them. They've got babies. They've got livestock. They've got nothing. And so here God shows up. And the first thing he does is he gives them this huge rock. And this rock cracks open and has a spring in the middle of it that flows with so much fresh water that millions of Israelites can drink from it every single day. And also their livestock uh, can have all that they need. And this rock follows them for 40 years through the sandy deserts of the Sinai Peninsula. Water from a rock. And then every single day, they all receive fresh, sweet bread every morning. Now, God calculated that with the quail he was providing them, he'd also make these birds fly into the camp. 
plus their own sheep and goats and cows that they were raising, that every single person needed four pints. That's uh, seven cups, about two liters of manna every day to fill their caloric and nutritional needs. And here's where the whole manna system gets really interesting. Well, people being people, you know, there are always those that have extra ambition. These are competitive people. They love to win. They want to get ahead of others. And so, uh, you know, it tells a story of, of a situation where it's like people like these, they get their kids up early. They got them ready with big, you know, baskets on their back. And it's like, come on, guys, we're going to get out here and we're going to get us mountains of manna. And they drive their family out in the field and they're slaving away and they're pushing and pushing. Come on, get more. You pick it quicker. Come on, don't drag. And, you know, and they're just pushing to get more. It gets piles of this stuff and they just pile it in, pile it in, pile it in. And then at the end, they, they say, okay, how much did we get? And they shake it all into a container. And no matter how much they picked, it equaled two liters per person in their family. There was nothing they could do to gather more. They could work for one hour or they could work for six hours. And they still got the same amount at the end of the day. You know, so success, riches, and fame through manna, you know, that was made impossible by God. You couldn't get more manna than other people. You couldn't pile it up. You couldn't turn it into a commodity so you could trade it. You couldn't create scarcity by hoarding it. You couldn't become greater than other people through manna. So, you know, all the type A driven winners were just leveled by this system. Because God was telling us, you're all humans, you're all equal, and you are all radically dependent upon me for your daily bread. And he was determined that that, that equality message would go through the whole nation. Well, you got the champions. Well, then you had other people, though. Some of them are disadvantaged. Maybe they have one leg and they're slowly hobbling in the fields and they're gathering manna in one hand. They're putting it into a little cup that they can manage with their other hand. And then you had all those other people who, you know, they watched the butterflies play and they ate manna while they were picking it. And maybe they picked only the biggest, most delicious looking pieces of manna and they talked to each other and they, you know, they enjoyed their morning and they gathered manna together. And then, then they took their little bit and they, they shook it out of their, uh, you know, their backpack into their container. And it, when it finished, it filled up four pints or two liters per person in their family. You can trust God's goodness and grace to provide for you. You don't have to be a champion. You don't have to be the best, the smartest, the fastest. Manna will provide for you, not based on your work. Manna provides for you because you are a child of God. God will be there for you faithfully every morning, as faithful as the sunrise, which we never doubt is going to happen. You and I will always have all that we need. You can trust God for that. You don't need more than enough. We don't need more than enough. We don't need five extra backpacks full of anything. When Jesus sent his disciples out to do ministry, he gathers them together for that famous passage in Mark. And he says, okay, uh, who packed well for this trip? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All right. Who's got, uh, you know, who's got a backpack and got extra stuff? I, I do. I do. Okay. Put it all on the ground. 
All right, now, who got an extra coat just in case, you know? might be cold out there. Oh, I got an extra coat. Great. Give me all your extra coats. All right, now, who brought a wallet? Who's got money saved up for this trip? Now, oh, we got money, Lord. We've been saving for it. And he said, okay, give me, give me all your money. And he puts it all in a pile, and he says, okay, anything in your pockets. Everybody reach in your pockets. Take out everything in your pockets. You got it? And they go, yeah. And he goes, okay, take off. They said, what? But all the stuff. He goes, it's okay. You don't need it. God's going to provide for you every single day on this trip. You'll be preaching and teaching. He's going to give you a place to sleep. They're going to have beds for you. If it's cold, they'll have blankets. You know, if it's chilly at night, ask one of them. They're going to give you a you know, coat to wear. God's got it all sorted out for you. You're going to have manna. And when they came back from their uh, trip of doing what God sent them out to do, Jesus asked them, did you lack anything? And they said, no, Lord, we had it all. That's the lesson of manna. It's there. It's there for all of us, and God is going to take care of us as we walk with him in obedience and do his will. You know, God provided for them everything that they needed, and he told them, manna is not like anything else. You do not pile it back. Don't keep any manna for future needs. You eat all of it because you need it. Um, and you never save it. I will give you fresh every single day. Well, sure enough, some people broke the rules and they piled it up in their house and it rotted and filled their house with stench and worms, uh, filled the manna and ate it during the night. And it was so gross in the morning. They didn't, they didn't have to learn the lesson twice, but you know, then there was another lesson about manna and it was the rule about Sabbath and Sabbath means to stop. And there's a rule about stopping, you know, stopping the struggle of getting ahead of everybody, getting ahead of life. And the Lord gives them all these laws about manna and Sabbath. He says, all right, here's the rule. Number one, stop moving around. You know, take this one day with me and you stop moving your body. Don't go places. Just be still. Stay there for a whole day and a night. I just want you to settle down. And live, just breathe. Another rule, stop working. You can't work on this day. Just be there and stop striving and stop thinking about your future and stop worrying about your stuff. Just stop everything. But I want you to have time together with your family and friends and I want you to have time with me. And that's one day in seven. And then the Lord says, and to prepare you for that, Here's a double portion of material provision. So go ahead and, and get your little scoop and fill it up with manna. But when you pour it into your, you know, your big bin, I'm going to make sure that it equals four liters for every person in your family. So you'll have all that you need. Your children have it. It was equal. Everybody got it. You know, God's going to provide for your kids. He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide... You know, when I was in my 40s, we were at a place in ministry where I was working. Well, I spoke 13 times a week, and I did that for a decade. It was exhausting. And we had planted a church. The church was growing as over a 1,000 people, and we had new stuff being planted. And I was also full-time at a seminary that I was later the president of. And we had other, st- other things we were doing, you know, and we were just like running on empty just trying to keep up with all this. And then we did something that only a millionaire can do, you know, in my mind as an American, uh, we took a month's vacation 
And I mean vacation. We didn't. I hardly answered my emails for the whole month. We did nothing but eat like a king, sleep 10 hours a day, pull the kids out of school for a month, and um, found a place uh, in Australia. We were on a beach in Australia, and we found a place. It was We had a whole cabin for $70 a week. And, you know, I don't know how we did that, but God just opened this up because he knew we needed it. And that month probably saved the next 10 years of our ministry in the Philippines and certainly saved our health. We just got restored, you know, Sabbath. God will give you manna. He'll give you double portions. You know, he doesn't want us to be like the people of the world. And, you know, this lesson of manna, we need to take it to heart. Yeah, there's the world system and, and you know, there is an economy and it, there's retirement and there's all that stuff. But manna's different. Manna's there regardless of all that other stuff. And this should make us, God's given us the keys, you know. He's allowing us to live a life free from fear and worry. He's allowing us to live a life that's free about material things where we can enjoy them but not cling to them. And not hoard them and not, you know, not need to covet them or compare ours to someone else. Because what manna said was, you have enough. You always have enough. And there's more coming. Tomorrow, more is coming. And uh, I have enough. Can you just say those words? You know, can you say those words out loud? I have enough. And can you say those words a dozen times every day this week until it unlocks your mind and it takes that fear away? I have enough. We have enough, not because we're hard workers or we're faster than others or we have the edge. We have enough just because of God's generosity. He gives, not because he has to, but because he's a giver. His giving produces life, and he wants us to know about that, and he wants us to practice it. So, you know, we get bread rained down on us every day. He's promised it, and he wants us to know the joy of sharing the manna with other people, too. You know, sharing manna won't make us poor. There's going to be fresh money tomorrow. Just wait and see. It's going to happen. The manna system. And it's still, hallelujah, at work around the world. It is God's default system of provision in Ethiopia and Egypt and the Philippines and the United States. It doesn't matter where you live. The manna system is the default system. Trust and grace. Money miracles that provide for you every day. So I just want to stop this podcast on that thought. We're going to come back and talk about how... Once you believe and once you enter into the manna system, it really should change and unlock this other characteristic. And that is that we ought to become the most amazing, happy, zealous, joyful givers like the Macedonian people that Paul mentioned uh, I hope this thread's been meaningful to you. Hey, check out, go on Facebook and look. We've started a Facebook group, Thread by Chuck Quinley, I think is how you can find it. And uh, join us there. We would love to discuss all that's going on. I'll be there and uh, interacting with you too about all these lessons from God's Word in 2 Corinthians to equip us to serve Him in our generation 
uh, this week. Expect God to use you, my friend, because you are the light of the world. <laughs>